Hello, everyone, and welcome back. Happy Tuesday. I'm Liana. And I'm Rosalyn. And today we are going to chat a little bit about travel etiquette. Rosalyn, I think you have a really awesome article to pull up to talk about today, right? I do. So I have this article from Smarter Travel. It's Travel Etiquette, Five Controversial Rules That You Might Be Violating. So we're going to go through them and see, Liana, where you land with each of them. Just me? Um, I mean, I might put in my two cents, but we'll We'll debate it. Okay. (laughs) Travel etiquette is very, very important to me. So (laughs) I'm excited for today's podcast for sure. First on the list, we have sharing the armrest. Mm. Well, I think it very much depends on your position. So if you're the middle person, you have claim to both armrests. Oh, I would have said the opposite. Oh, I think if you're in the middle, you're already kind of, in my opinion, in one of the worst seats in the house. So I think that you should be entitled to have both arm spaces considering you don't have any leg room on the aisle side or like a window to lay on on the window side. No, I would have gone with the opposite where it's, since you're in the middle, you... Like, don't get either? Yeah. <gasps> no, no, that's no. The, that's why no one wants the middle seat because oh. the, the windows fill up and the aisle fill up and then those are like the prime seats and that's the best benefit of sitting in one of those seats hmm. no I think that it's like your right of your right of passage to have at least one maybe both yeah. is a little entitled but I would definitely say that's a big thing for me I've definitely been in situations though where I've gotten on a plane and haven't been like quick enough to put down the armrest and then the person next to me just didn't I now make it a huge point whenever I get into a flight to make sure that my armrests are down because it's just really awkward and uncomfortable to just wiggle down yeah, the like- armrest in between you and someone else after they sat down. It's, there's no like un- awkward way to go about doing it. So the article says that when it comes to armrests, it's one armrest per passenger. Typically, the armrest that has your media and electrical outlets will be the one you use. If you're comfortable speaking with your seatmate, have a short conversation and compromise with them. Two elbows can share a single armrest better than two arms. I mean, that's fair. I mean, if it's someone I know, of course, I guess I would share or I would just tell them, hey, I'm using this. But yeah, well, when it's someone I know, I'm like pretty, I'm like, okay, just like sharing it or because I'm definitely if I know someone, I'm the type of person like I'll fall asleep on their shoulder. But if I don't know them, then I'm I probably wouldn't even bother having the conversation. I just feel like you can have it just to avoid That's the conversation. Fair. Yeah. I'd expect that from you, I think. I just think, I, man, okay, the person in the aisle has the extra leg room and easy access to the restroom and then the window person has like an entire area to sleep or lean against the person in the middle like I just I think that you think that everyone should have something yeah interesting take yeah Yeah. that's my take on it I mean the two-seaters I guess would be the real tricky one so moving on to number two we have reclining so reclining your seat is a hotly debated topic in travel etiquette where do you land with it it depends how long the flight is like short and sweet like I think if it's a really long flight everyone should be able to just recline really I'm like really surprised by your answer so far because I would be the opposite again. Like I hate when people recline their seats, especially uh, when someone reclines their seat in front of me on a plane. I lose my mind. I th- I mean, yeah, if we're obviously in Columbus and we're flying to Chicago, I think that's a little obnoxious. It's a 45-minute flight. Like you – Well, it's just fine. the space issue. Like they – like you know when you recline your seat that it's taking away the space from the person behind you. Or at least if you were like – to the person, like, talk to them first and be like, hey, like, do you mind if I recline your seat? That would be different. But when they just, like, fling their seat back. Sure, sure. I get what you're saying. I think if I ever do – I don't recline often just because I do try to be conscientious of the person behind me. But I will, like, take a peek behind me to see 
kind of what the situation is, what I'm working with. If the person passed out, 100%, I'll just recline. Um, But if it's, like, maybe a bigger person or a taller person, I'll maybe refrain. I assess and then make an executive decision. Okay, so this is what the article says. Unless you're on a very long cross-country or international flight, the best etiquette rule of thumb is to not recline your seat. There's very little space these days for legroom, and reclining seats just takes up much more away from the person behind you. Length plays a huge part in it. Like, I usually never recline my seat, but I just flew to Mexico, and it was a four-hour direct. I definitely reclined on the way back. Rule number three is cutting the line if you're late. So this is, like, TSA trying to get through security if you're running late. So I I am always early to airport, a good two hours, mm-hmm. if not earlier than that. So I've never been in a situation where I would need, like I'm usually the person that's like, yeah, go ahead, go in front of me. I would let someone ahead of me, but I would be annoyed about it. So if you were in the position of you're late to your flight, are you asking people if you can go in front of them or are you just waiting in line hoping for the best? Oh, I think waiting in line hoping for the best. I don't think I've ever been so late where I was freaking out. I think the only time where I think it would be appropriate if you were cutting is if, like, during um, a layover or something like mm, that. Yeah. I think if you were ill-prepared on getting to the airport on time, that you should probably just... Take the hit. Take the L. Really <laughs> hope for the best. Honestly, it usually ends up working out that you're fine. Yeah. Um, and cutting, like, two people ahead of you isn't really going to make or break whether you make it to your flight or not, but... Yeah, I'm thinking, like, unless you have, like, a TSA person, like, leading you through, and they're like, yeah, this person needs to go through, then... Right. I'm like, you can probably, you probably have time. Yeah. I mean, you see some people who are absolutely manic, and you're just yeah. like, wow. You're... I'm just like, go, like, yeah, get away from me. Yeah, please go, please go. But, yeah, for the most part, I don't think, me personally, I think it would take a lot for, something traumatic would have had to happen for me to justify cutting people in line. Well, so the article says that there's they're both good options. You can either throw yourself at the mercy of the people in front of you, asking them to let you go ahead to make your flight, or you could talk to a TSA agent and explain your situation, and hopefully they help you out and kind of help you skip the line. But it says you should never cut without good reason and a good explanation for your fellow passengers. So now we're back on the plane again, and we're talking about swapping seats on an airplane. Mm-hmm. Where do you stand with this? I think that's fully appropriate. I think that you, as long as you're polite and it's, and you're, as long as you're polite about it, I don't see why someone wouldn't accommodate you. See, I, I'm not sure. I think it depends. I think there's a lot of variables. Cause like, what if I've got a window seat and they want me to swap and the seat they want me to swap with is like a middle seat. I don't oh, know I think if I'm it's doing within that. Re- well, yeah, I think it's within reason. Like, I think it should be matched up. Another example from my previous trip, we were flying back from Mexico and my friend had a window seat about six rows ahead of us and my other friend and I were sharing a row and the guy sitting in the our window seat I was like hey odd question would you want to switch with our friend who's sitting up front like you'll be closer to the front it's the same type of window seat and he was like oh yeah totally no problem and then with her she came back and I was like hey I got you back here I should maybe get the window seat and you can sit in the middle and she goes if I had known that, I wouldn't have even switched. I was like, all right, fair, whatever. But, yeah, that definitely would not be a trade. Right, right. So I get, what, I get what you're saying. I guess within reason. I think there's no reason if someone had the same type of seat that you had that they wouldn't switch with you. Unless right. it was like first class window seat versus like the very last row. What are your thoughts about like a family versus like the type of traveler? Because I think I'm more lenient if it's a family and they like want both the parents and the kids to sit together. I think then I'm like, okay, like I'll trade versus just, you know, college kids that want to sit with their friends. Yeah, I I honestly don't think I would ever say if I was traveling by myself, I honestly don't 
think I would say no. But at the same time, you think about it, and there are ways to book to ensure that you're all together. I, yeah. I actually had that thought the other day when I was traveling, and I was like, well, Southwest, like, you don't get to pick your seat. It's a little bit different. Would I be more lenient in a situation like that versus a family that could pay just an extra 10 bucks for the kids to sit with them, and it's guaranteed, and it's... Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's kind of like my thought. Well, there's like many airlines that you can just choose your seat. Right. So I'm like, if it's that important that you guys all sit together, then why didn't you? Why didn't you just out? fly one of those airlines? But I can't see you saying no though. So like, if if someone came up to you and was like, "Hey, would you mind switching seats with me?" You think you'd be confident enough to be like, mm, "No, I'm good." I don't know if I'd say no, but I'd be unhappy about it. <laughs> The author says that the person asking for the swap should give up a better seat for a worse one. For example, if they're in a window seat, the offer must be to switch with someone in a middle. That way everyone wins. If that's not possible, ask the flight attendant for help. He or she can hopefully rearrange a few people to make everyone happy. Which honestly to me sounds like a lot of effort. Yeah, I know that when you first check in, I think that's probably the the first time you should try to get some seating arrangements figured out so you're not actually physically bothering someone on a flight to switch with you. Uh, so I would recommend maybe getting to check in as early as possible, maybe getting there like two, two and a half, three, even three hours ahead of time before everyone's checked in. And then that way, maybe you can kind of cheat the system without having to physically confront anyone. This is the last one and it's a chatty seatmate. Now I know me and you have very different views on this because mm-hmm. as I said, I hate talking to people when I travel. I'm like headphones in, head down. I like don't look up until I'm at my destination. Whereas I've flown with you before and I know that you will strike up a conversation with literally anyone. I don't think that I would go out of my way to strike up a conversation, but I think if somebody wanted to chat with me, I would entertain it. It also depends on my mood and it depends how long the flight is. There have been times where I've gotten on a flight running off of like three hours of sleep and I'm like, "Mm, nope. Sunglasses on, headphones in, lights out, I'm done. But there have definitely been other times where someone started talking to me, it's a shorter flight, I'm wide awake, and we'll talk as long as they keep the conversation going. Depends on the day. I know with you, you're like always. I'm like always. Like I've been on flights where I've forgotten my headphones and I'm just like, please don't talk to me. I'll just stare out of the window instead. You're never down for a conversation. I just feel like it's because it's so awkward because once you get the conversation started, like you guys are stuck together for at least an hour and a half, two hours, like not longer. Even if you talk for five minutes, the ball keeps rolling, then they like kind of feel like they can talk to you for the rest of the time on and off. And I just don't want to, I don't want that pressure. I think it's just the same as any small talk that you strike up with someone, whether you're in a grocery store or you're at a bar or just at a concert with friends. If it's engaging and you enjoy the company and the conversation, then absolutely, I will uphold it. But if it's really, really forced, I'll probably try to avoid it and just put headphones in or pretend I'm sleeping. I'd just rather not. Like at all? At all. Like even if we have stuff in common, I'm just like, I just... I'm on a plane. I've already had to go through TSA. I had to like wake up early probably. Like I just, this is this the worst possible place to find me. Like you don't want to talk to me. I don't really want to talk to you. Let's just headphones in, book up. Like, What if you guys had so much in common and you somehow somebody miraculously got you to start talking to them and you got the ball rolling and you were like wow this person's super interesting we have a lot in common we went to the same college like we were in the same clubs would you believe that that's happened to me before has it and you know what i did is i said wow and i put my headphones in (gasps) 
I just, I can't do it. Like, oh I just, my God. See, that's where you and I differ. I'd yeah. be like, oh my gosh, like, tell me. Yeah, I'd be like, oh my gosh, we're, we go to the same school? Like, cool. And then, okay. <laughs> Cutthroat, man. Yeah, just, when I'm traveling, I'm a different person. Well, as we have said before, travel does bring out the beast in people, so. Yeah, and I feel like you have some stories about, even though even though from this it sounds like you've got pretty good travel etiquette, I feel like some stories you've told have maybe. <laughs> about me having poor travel yeah. etiquette or about people having poor travel etiquette and me reacting to it? I think, I think both. I, I think, think those are probably the both. same. Since Rosalind brought it up earlier, we can talk a little bit about my most recent trip. Uh, I have actually spent the past week in Cancun, Mexico. I just got back earlier this week and just came back to the office yesterday. While I was in Mexico, speaking of etiquette, we had a little conversation regrouping and rechatting about elevators. So while I was at the hotel, my friends and I were in line waiting to get on an elevator. Keep in mind, this is an all-inclusive resort. It's massive. Um, only one area for elevators. However, there's about like four or five, and they come fairly quickly, but long enough time gaps for a little bit of a crowd to gather. So my friends and I were waiting for an elevator, and then, of course, like another group of guests came by, and the elevators opened, and it was the closest doors to them. So instead of waiting for the group, my friends and I and other people who were waiting there first to get on, they all just kind of piled in. I wasn't too happy. I may have made a little bit of a snarky remark, um, which elicited some other snarky remarks from people in the elevator. Uh, We didn't end up getting on, but bottom line, I think that etiquette goes a long way, even past the travel stage. I think even when you're staying somewhere, I think it's always good to try to be polite. And hospitable. And hospitable. Yeah. Sure. So, okay. So, honestly, what I would have done, I think I would have assessed the situation and seen that the elevator was already getting a little full, and I would have probably turned to these people who had been waiting and said, hey, you guys have been waiting. You guys go ahead. We'll get the next one, is what I would have liked to have happened and what I would have done myself. Um yeah. But, you know, it's an all-inclusive. I think it's – most people look at it as a free-for-all. It's and vacation mentality. It's vacation mentality. Yeah. It's, you know, eat or be eaten. And see, that's why that's why I think I when I'm traveling, I'm so head down. Because I think when people are traveling, they become different people. Sure. It's just like a whole different – it really is like the Wild West of free-for-all, every man for himself. But I, I, it's even funny how it translates into just more of the, the experience of just overall travel. Like I said, with an elevator or in line at the buffet. Like mm. you'd be appalled at some things that happen. People just reaching in front of you, grabbing the last part that you're going for I don't know but yeah I think people when they're on vacation but I think they just are so wrapped up in their own vacation Mm -hmm. etiquette goes out the window yes I have a very strong opinion about etiquette Rosalind thank (laughs) you so much for bringing up the elevator story (laughs) okay well I think that about wraps it up for today yeah thank you so much you guys for tuning in if you want to hear more from us you can follow us on social at redroofin or visit our website redroof.com thank you again for tuning in guys and we will check in with you guys next week 